and welcome to the week 14 edition of the Circa Picks podcast. Matt Brown, Brett Colson coming to you here for the lines and playpicks.com. Guys, we are, you know, started out this this uh quarter 3 and 2, so we're not dead yet, Brett. We are uh we are, we're going to have to have a couple 5-0 and o weeks, but hey, we're not dead yet. We're at least drawing live here as far as that last quarterly prize. We are drawing dead in the grand scheme of things with the contest standings. Contest standings are, uh, I mean, the the team that is winning this one is just destroying. I mean, they are a full two games ahead of second place. And I mean, they have, I mean, 46 and a half points through 14 weeks is pretty damn good it's like 46 18 and one did i see that correctly this morning dude it's just insane yeah like i mean i hope they were betting along with the these games like with their own money because they are they already would have made enough money to where like the quarterly prize wouldn't wouldn't even be that great of a thing for them i mean that is just they've been picking their ass off but we are drawing live here and as always guys we are playing fixed lines that are provided by the people over at Circa Sports. So if you hear us reference a line and it is different from the line that you see on your sports book where you are located, that is probably the case, actually. It's just uh, they, they put out these lines and we have to play these lines the way that they put them out. And so these things are likely to move. By the time that they put them out, ain't likely to move even between now and Sunday whenever these games actually kick off. So just know that as we start to reference these things, Brett. We enter here with four picks automatically put on the card because actually oh my goodness never mind all five picks are actually five all five are all picked we don't have we have nothing to debate we have two must makes and then we agreed on three games so this is this is craziness here um let's go ahead and just start with the games that we agreed on uh first and foremost was a game that you and i talked a lot about here over this last week if you guys listen to the early lines if you guys watch the uh, listen to the podcast from yesterday and that is this Ravens team here. It is five and a half in favor of the Ravens at the Bills. It has now moved to six pretty much everywhere. There is a one five and a half left actually at Circa as we is kind of funny, but uh, six is across the board in Vegas, six over at DraftKings as well. So we are seeing the uh, this market has moved to six here. And I think a lot of people as they started digging into this game, Brett saw the same thing that you and I saw that if you really and truly break this game down fundamentally to how we think it's going to play out and the strengths and weaknesses of these two teams, this is a big, big benefit in nearly every single facet to the Baltimore Ravens. Absolutely. And it starts with a Bills defense that is overhyped, especially when it comes to its run defense. Looking at the metrics, this is a bottom seven, eight team at stopping the run. Even even though the last three weeks, they've allowed the second fewest yards on the ground per game. That's because teams stopped handing it off against them, and I can't explain why. So there's a false narrative being built about the Bills right now, and we know what the Ravens are going to do. They're going to come at them with their big boy formations and force the Bills to try to stop Jackson and Ingram and the rest of this crew on the ground, and I don't think the Bills are going to be able to. I capped this at seven, which looks crazy when you compare the records of these two teams, but... Like you said, there's a lot more to this than wins and losses. Yeah, there's when you take a look at the, at the Bills schedule and I mean, it has been soft to say the least, but all, but more than anything, when you kind of really break this down too, 
it's been a bunch of soft run teams as well, which is one of the things that I think a lot of people haven't really started to to think about. I mean, when you look, okay, wins over the Bengals. Bengals have no run game whatsoever. Uh, the Patriots, that was a loss to the Patriots. We know the Patriots have struggled in the run game all year long. For whatever reason, the Titans didn't, you know, don't get Derrick Henry going until November every single year. So that game was earlier in the year. Didn't have him going. The Dolphins, no run game at all. Redskins, no run game whatsoever. I mean, you kind of keep going down the list. They've had the Dolphins twice, obviously, uh, uh, over the course of the season here. And the Redskins shredded them on the ground, too, by the way. Right, right, right. Even the Eagles, too. Eagles have had not much of a run game. They got destroyed by the Eagles as well. So, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, yeah, none of these teams are teams you would look at and say, oh, they have strong, definitely have strong run games. And yet they were still finding success against this Bills team. And you look at this Ravens team, you and I both believe, if not the sharpest, certainly in the top three as far as coaching staffs in the league found on the sideline over there in Baltimore right now. And what we're not going to see is what we've seen from a lot of these donkey coaches, including Jason Garrett, not only against this very Bills team last week, but even last night on Thursday Night Football, again, abandoning things that are working for him. Harbaugh is not going to do that. Harbaugh is going to do whatever it takes to win this game. I do not see this at all as one of these. I heard a lot of people saying, oh, this is kind of a letdown spot or a look ahead spot. And I start to say, I mean, what in what would they be? What would they be looking ahead to? I mean, by any like, that's what I don't really understand. I mean, it's if you want to say it's a letdown because they went through this tough stretch where it was like, you know, the the Texans and the Rams and the 49ers. I mean, I guess maybe I could maybe buy that. But I mean, we're talking games to close out the season here, Brett, with Jets, Browns and Steelers. I mean, this is look ahead. Exactly. This This is this is is their season. Yeah, this is nothing that they're going to be like, you know, looking ahead to or looking past or any kind of anything like that. So for me, I don't buy into any of that narrative nonsense. And again, if there's a coaching staff that I trust more than the Ravens, it's really it'd be hard for me to say off the top of my head right now. And that even includes the Patriots because of uh, just the limitations that the Patriots have built. Bill Belichick can only do so much. He can scheme. There's no doubt about it. But they are so limited by talent right now in New England. And that is not lacking for this Ravens team and especially from the run game and everything that they're able to do here Um I, I really, really, really love the Ravens. I am. This is not just a contest play for me. If you're listening to this, like I am heavily invested personally in the Ravens as well. So um, it is uh, it's going to be one of the bigger decisions for me in, in quite a long time. Uh, and, you know, I got it a little bit better than what we're getting it at. I got it at five, but no real difference between five and five and a half when it comes down to it. And uh, as we said, this thing has moved in our favor. It's moved to six in a lot of places. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about Josh Allen yet. That regression game that we've been waiting for, I think it's coming this week. Only one turnover in his last four games, which is unfathomable for a guy who has fumbled 12 times this season. Granted, yes, he has been a lot more careful with the ball, and we're seeing some really nice improvement in that area, but this is a tough matchup here against a team with really good coverage corners. They're going to blitz the hell out of this kid because the Bills don't have the playmakers to beat them downfield. So this this is a bad, like you said, this is a bad matchup on both sides of the ball for Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, and and you look back and there was, yeah, his last three games have been really good, but Dolphins was an opponent. Cowboys that, as we saw, this defense, whatever happened to this Cowboys defense, who knows? I mean, like, just has been absolutely uh, torched left and right. 
And then the Broncos with an injured Von Miller and all that. So, I mean, you know, look, definitely played better over the last three games. But we're just cherry picking three games out of the course of a much larger sample size here, which we have with Josh Allen over the all of last season in the majority of this season, you know? Yep. So for me, I feel really, really good about that one. So that makes the card. The next one that makes the card for sure is the Saints. Saints at home, two and a half here. We are getting this game against this 49ers team back to back road games for the 49ers. Yes, they did stay out on the East Coast, but still didn't sleep in their own beds, didn't get their own treatment facilities, didn't get any of the stuff that they're accustomed to and going about normalcy with life and all of that. So uh, heading over to the Superdome, which we know is one of the one of the at least the more difficult places to play, not the most difficult place to play, but one of the more difficult places to play here. And if you look at this San Francisco team, Brett, which is actually something that I thought was pretty interesting to me that I couldn't believe. But this Niners team has given up over 100 yards rushing in nine straight games, and that is actually the longest active streak in the NFL right now. Yeah, and that's that's one of the main reasons I like the Saints here because the Saints are going to do what the opposing team doesn't do well, and that is jam it down their throats on the ground. Like I said Tuesday, this looks like a potential letdown spot for the Niners, and I'm doubling down on that here. Uh, you know, like you said, tough loss last week on the road. Now they're away from home again this week against maybe another team you could argue is the best in the NFL, and and yeah, what the Niners do well. They're going to have a tough time exploiting against New Orleans. You can't run, you can't rush the passer against them because they have the, one of the best. I mean, they do have some injuries up front, but they're still one of the best pass blocking units in the NFL. And you can't run against them either. So, what are the Niners going to be able to do to score points in this game? Can you trust Jimmy G on the road here? I don't. Right, so, and, I, and that is what that is. It really is. It's kind of like a bunch a bunch of strengths meeting a bunch of strengths in this game. Yeah. There's no there's no doubt about that. I mean, like you're we are talking about, you know, a a team here in the Saints that give up the least amount of pressure on uh, Drew Brees has only been pressured 26% of his dropbacks. That's actually the lowest in the league, but the 49ers have pressured the opposing quarterback at the highest rate in the league, you know? So there's just a lot of strengths on strengths here. And if you're going to, if you're going to basically say, let's cap this, let's, let's cap this at neutral, right, Brett? So let's go ahead and just cap this at neutral. And whether you think that Drew Brees arm strength has declined or not, which I do believe that it has, Uh but, but um, whether you think that or not, are you going to, are you going to trust Drew Brees in a game at home against a team on back-to-back road games late in the season? Or are you going to trust Jimmy G to be able to get it done? And my answer 10 times out of 10 every single time is going to be Drew Brees at home. Of course. I mean, it's it's not it's it's just fact that his arm strength is not what it was a few years ago. I mean, that's just that's just science. But he's still one of the best at like before the snap at the line of scrimmage. You can't you can't like penalize him for that. He's still one of the best. And this offense is still extremely efficient with him under center. So I'm taking Breeze, like you said, 10 out of 10 times, of course. So the other game that we agree on here that makes the card is the Rams. The line that we have to play in this one, guys, is a pick. We know that this thing has flipped, but we were able to get a pick in this thing. Uh, Rams actually favored at some spots over on the East Coast and uh, specifically DraftKings. Rams now one point favorites here. 
I was fortunate enough to get on the Rams here as one and a half point dogs. So that was fun now that we've seen this thing. And not that there's a lot of difference here, but one of the things that it does is is it opened up a, a nice teaser opportunity, which I took advantage of as well to get the Rams up to, to seven and a half. So through the touchdown. But Brett, I think a lot of people saw the same thing that you and I saw when we were kind of talking about this on the first lines uh, podcast and video earlier in the week. And that is the fact that this Rams defense is still one of the very best rush defenses in all of the league. And yeah, they got shredded by the uh, Ravens. But as we've come to see, this Ravens team is a unicorn, right? They are completely unique. It is impossible to scheme against them. It is impossible to mimic in practice what Lamar Jackson can do and then what they're able to do with all the read option stuff and everything that they've got going on. And so let's just kind of throw that out as an anomaly in that game. And now you go back to what do the Rams do against power running teams and teams that like to run the ball, especially as much as the Seahawks do. And they have dominated those teams throughout the course of of the year. And this defense is built to stop those type of teams. And, And look, you know, does can Russell Wilson do what Russell Wilson does and go to the air a ton? I imagine that he can. We saw Tyler Lockett get blanked last week. I understand he was coming off of an illness, but still he got blanked last week. Um, this, this at Rams at home to me seems like this is just such a really, really good. We're playing the matchup here, right? We don't love Jared Goff. Sean McVay has certainly shown some, uh, chinks in the armor here a little bit because I thought that you, maybe he was the second coming, but he has certainly made some questionable decisions along the way. But if you just look at pure matchup team versus team strength versus strength, I, I really do like this Rams team here at home. I'm with you. I think when you put these two teams on the field, the Rams aren't that much worse than Seattle. They might be better. Like this, this Seahawks <laughs> team skates on thin ice week after week, and they just make it to the other side without fail. It is remarkable. They have a win. They have a, a win margin for the season of plus 36 with 10 wins. That's insane. It's also unsustainable. And, and now they're on the road here against Goff, who shouldn't face a lot of pressure. Because the Hawks don't generate a lot of pressure, right? Like maybe maybe I'm being stubborn with the Seahawks team, and this has cost me with the Bills several times, so, uh, several times this year as well. But I can't buy this Hawks team when the metrics and this margin of victory tells me that they're not that good. Like they're a good right. football team, but they, they opened this at minus two and a half for the Hawks. That was insane. Like the fact that you got it at one and a half is is. Amazing, because I I capped this at Rams minus two and a half. So I think that was I think that's like four or five points off. Yeah, it is. And and, and let's take a look also. I mean, like this defense, I think for Seattle is another one of those things where it's it's just a we're living off of memories of the past, right? Like where we, this, it was so good for so long, Legion of boom stuff, everything we were talking about, like, Oh man, this team is so incredibly great. And now you look at this team, they're giving up over 24 points a game. They are allowing 381 yards a game. They're giving up 282 yards per game through the air. They're giving up 5.8 yards per play. I mean, there's everything that points to this Rams team being able to have success. And then let's also point to the fact here that, you know, listen, we criticized the, the Rams early in the season for a lot of things, but the they are finally healthy for the first time in a long time. They're using Gurley much more like they used Gurley last year when this offense was just 
running so incredibly efficiently and smoothly and getting, I don't, you know, listen, I understand that, that Brandon Cooks has not lit it up this year, but just having him out on the field and that deep threat to allow Cooper Cup and, and Woods to do what they do is, you know, he plays a role in that offense. And when you get all three of those guys out there and then this emergence of Higby uh, out of nowhere, um, uh, you know, this 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 Rams offense, I think, is is finally kind of what we thought it could be coming into this season and against a, t- a defense and especially a secondary that can be had for the Seahawks here. I think that they can have themselves a, a pretty damn good day. Yeah, that's another thing is he, McVay kind of hinted before the season that they weren't going to unleash Gurley until they really needed to. And that we've reached that point. And it, he's not the same player as he was last year. I think that's pretty obvious, but he's still He's better than Malcolm Brown. He's better than Daryl Henderson. I think we haven't really seen much of Henderson this year. But yeah, if they can get this run game going, I think they're going to be just fine in this game. And and I think the other thing just with Gurley, and I think we all, you and I both agree, and I think a lot of people would, that he's certainly lost a step. But just, just using him like they used him last year allows them to call games and scheme games more yeah. like they did last year when they were just wrecking everybody, you know? And like that was, I think, what was the stumbling block earlier in the year when they decided, oh, no, we're going to preserve him and we're not going to use him the same, is McVeigh had to come up with different game plans and scheme completely differently because they weren't going to use Gurley as much. And so with that, I believe that if you kind of like back up and take it to what, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, that Rams offense looks much, much more similar to what we saw last year. Yeah, and that's scary if you're facing them here late in the season. So, yeah, that another, and yet another reason why uh, I really like the Rams in this spot. So three agreements here, those three on the card. Let's go to you. You with your must-make Browns minus seven and a half at home against the Red Rifle-led Bengals. Yeah, they gave us seven and a half. I know it's, uh, at least one of the other contests was eight and a half, so I love this number here. This is a great stock high stock low spot really the only spot all year we've been able to sell high on the Bengals, other than maybe week two after they uh gave the seahawks a scare in that season opener but they got their pride victory last week with the red rifle we must remember that this is still the Bengals. this is the worst team in the nfl and the browns awful loss against an underappreciated steelers team the public has just given up on this team so i like the spot a lot for them this is the number one graded rush offense in the nfl according to pff hand the ball off to Chubb and Hunt and make the Bengals stop you. It really shouldn't be that difficult for Freddie Kitchens here, especially with a quarterback who has a supposed bruised hand. Like, don't get cute. You still have four weeks to save your job. Win convincingly against a bad team by doing what you do best. And I know that might be asking a lot from Freddie Kitchens, but I have to trust that he's going to be able to stomp this bad team just like he did two weeks ago against Miami. Look ahead here was 10 and a half, so... I mean, I feel like there's line value here as well with the the, the Browns losing and the, and the Bengals winning last week. So I love this spot for the Browns. This actually has moved to seven. So we're oh my goodness. So this has actually moved to seven at DraftKings. It has moved to uh, seven over at FanDuel. Oh, it, no, it's uh, actually just juiced really heavily seven and a half at FanDuel, but it's uh, seven the majority of the places across Vegas right now. So we're not actually even getting the best number in this one um, with the way that this is going. So much money pouring in on Cincinnati here. I guess it's worth mentioning they do get John Ross back, so he will have another weapon in the past game for Andy Dalton. You do get Andy Dalton back, who is... 
obviously a much, much, much better quarterback than. Sure. So that's why I kind of threw out the look ahead number because the look ahead number was based on Finley being under center. And so, you know, I, I kind of threw that away. I didn't really even pay attention really to, to the look ahead in this one. Uh, Dalton certainly being a much more efficient and better quarterback than Finley. So not, not too worried about that. It's just tough for me because you use the word trust and Freddie kitchens in the same sentence when you were doing that. And I just can't do it anymore. I've gotten, uh, I think it, so I have, uh, I said this on my, my VEASAN show that I do where I said, I have gotten to the point in the season where I only have a few weeks left where I can bet on full slates of games and I'm going to not invest my money in donkey ass head coaches. And so I, you know, Jason Garrett falling in that category. And I ended up, I ended up just taking that the two and a half. Cause I thought the line was just uh, so incredibly off there. Fortunately I had way more on the over that you and I were both on there. And so yeah. it was it's still a winning night for me, but I can't believe I took Jason Garrett. I went against my own, uh, went against my own rules here, but yeah, I mean, Freddie Kitchen's just such an incredible donkey here. I don't hate the play. I just, it just won't be making my card this week. Um, just something I gotta, I gotta stay away from here. I don't want to be banging my head against the wall when Freddie Kitchens makes another horrible decision that, that gets this game out of control. So, uh, not, not for me, but it will make our card because your must make mine is the Titans two and a half here against, uh, this Raiders team that has the look, all props to John Gruden for holding the, the holding this together as long as he did, because we thought this was just going to be a dumpster fire from the word go. And he was able to hold this team together for, you know, much, much longer than I thought he was going to be able to hold this team together for. But look, it finally caught up. It, 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 he finally caught up to him. He finally started to, you know, it's finally started to get to the point where this team is looking more like the team that we thought that they were going to look like. Now you've got Trent Brown. It's going to be out. So now a tackle is out for them. Uh, Josh Jacobs, quote unquote, didn't do much at practice on Friday. So he's the only bright spot for this offense really over the last month has been Josh Jacobs. And now it looks like he is questionable at best to go against this Titans team with, you know, again, with an offensive lineman, starting offensive lineman that's going to be out. And then further, the way that you beat the Titans is not by running the ball anyway. So the only thing the Raiders have been good at over the last month is actually the strength of this Titans team, which is their run defense. And you look at, uh, you have to try and beat them with the pass. And there's just not enough playmakers for this Raiders team here. I mean, look, they were, they thought they were going to have Antonio Brown. They thought that Tyrell Williams was going to be a really good number two wide receiver. And I, I believe that, that Tyrell Williams is a really good number two wide receiver. He's not an alpha. He's not a number one, but he's had, they've had to try to put the square peg in the round hole thing with him so far this year. And it's finally, again, that also is started to catch up with them and not working out in their favor. And then finally, uh, this Titans team has actually kind of allowed Ryan Tannehill to unleash. And if you take a look here, Brett, what team do you think gives up the most amount of 20 plus yard receptions in the entire NFL? That would probably be the Raiders. It is, in fact, the Raiders. 22% of the completions allowed by the Raiders have gained 20 or more yards. That is by far the highest rate in the entire league since he took over as starter for the Titans. 
Matthew Stafford is number one of 20 or more yard receptions. Guess who is number two in the NFL in 20 or more yard completions? Sorry, for Stafford, it should be completions. uh, Ryan Tannehill is your number two in the NFL in 20 or more yard completions. They have allowed him to throw the ball down the field. He was he's actually able to throw the ball down the field. One of the things you and I our biggest criticisms of Marcus Mariota. This was preseason even and then leading into the early part of this season whenever he was still under center was he was just really and truly scared to throw the ball down the field and not really utilize any of these weapons that the Titans have kind of put together here for these quarterbacks. And so, man, it is Oakland over their last three games, last in the league in points per play. Tennessee actually first in the league in points per play over the last month of the season. Everything just points to the Titans here for me. In this one, we're getting it at two and a half, which I also really and truly like a lot here. This has moved to three at a lot of places out there. So uh, feel really good about that, too. So uh, I don't know how you I don't know where this landed on your card, but uh, love, love, love the Titans this week. And I actually have this one as uh, a pretty good, pretty good over game as well. And also have this one in the personal file as well. Well, you talked about Mariota and throwing the ball downfield, and the Raiders don't even try to throw the ball downfield. And that has cost them in their last two blowout losses to the Jets and Chiefs. They just keep running the football when you have to exploit bad secondaries. Not saying the Titans have a bad secondary at all, but you're not going to beat them on the ground here. I love this Titans team. We've both been on them the past few weeks. The only reason I didn't put this on my card, I just kind of threw this game away is because I think they're going to be overly popular as a road favorite in the contest. So, you know, I do like them here. I like this number. I think Tennessee is extremely good. I just saw some better spots for the contest. But this is a game that I would certainly have on my account at two and a half. Yeah, it, feeling good about this. And then, and then just the injury news that came through, even after this was already in my account, just made me feel even better. I mean, being down on a starting offensive lineman for the Raiders and then also Josh Jacobs not practicing it on Friday. I mean, that's... uh. And, and with it coming out, I mean, how the hell did it only come out on Wednesday that he's been playing with a fractured shoulder? Right. I mean, yeah. like, how does that even happen? Like, I mean, how does that not get out that the guy's been playing with a fractured shoulder? I mean, they're going nowhere. The Raiders are not going to make the playoffs at this point. I think it would be foolish to play Josh Jacobs as well as he's played this year. Can certainly be one of those kind of faces of this team as they make their move to Las Vegas next year. So I think it would be stupid of them to to play him. But I mean, I'm not the coach and I'm not the GM. So who knows what they're going to do here? But I uh, really do like the Titans a lot. So this is uh, this is interesting. Our other two plays, just so if you guys were curious and Brett, we'll just we'll give our shorts of these and we won't give the, the full breakdown here. But yours was the Broncos. Yeah, this line, I think it's eight and a half at Circa. Yeah, Houston minus eight and a half. This line's inflated. Uh, The Broncos are my team. I side with them nearly every week because the public hates them, even though they just go out and do their thing and cover almost every week. Easy cover last week. They weren't weren't outside the number for a single play. And the line on this game moved a point and a half the other way off the look ahead in favor of the Texans because they beat an overrated Pats team last week. So I see this as a good sell opportunity on the Texans. Uh, This Broncos defense is very solid. Of course, the worry is that Drew Locke implodes in his first road start. But this Texans defense is trash. 23rd in total defense, according to PFF. 26th in coverage. I think he's going to be fine. So I, I like the Broncos quite a bit. My other was my other was the Falcons at home here. 
against, uh, you know, look, it's uh, the numbers at three, the numbers moved to three and a half at some places against this Panthers team. I mean, I think I don't really have to go into detail here, but this Panthers team, the wheels have fully come off the uh, come off of the train here with this one. It's fallen off the tracks. Fire Ron Rivera. You started to see uh, Kyle Allen started to play like, you know, look, he was playing above his head there for a while. Kyle Allen has come back down to earth. And I think that that's something we probably should have expected. It, and it was I think that maybe just the fall was a little bit a little bit faster, a little bit harder than all of us thought that actually you get this uh, you get this Falcons team with Austin Hooper coming back as well. Devontae Freeman was back for the team this past week and looked, you know, looked like pretty much like Devontae Freeman. I mean, looked looked pretty much like himself in that game. And so, you know, for me, just uh, this is a I think this is just a such a great spot. Falcons at home against a Panthers team that just fired their coach. I don't know if you saw this as well, Brett, something that I kind of saw. We had talked about the usage for McCaffrey and how he was literally playing 100 percent of the snaps every single game. I don't know how much you watched of this team last week, if you were able to go back and you're even watching all 22 or anything like that. But it finally looked to me like it kind of had started to catch up with McCaffrey a little bit. He dropped he dropped a couple passes. He yeah. wasn't able to break a couple of tackles that he was breaking earlier in the season or juke people. And it's like you you just kind I kind of started to see that a guy that had been overused and shocker come week 13. He's he's just, you know, he's he's out there kind of struggling. This happened last year, too. And you can see it, especially near uh, in the red zone. He just doesn't have juice down there. The guys, the kids are like worn out. So, I uh, yeah, I definitely see what you're seeing there. And with, uh, with this game, my only concern really with Atlanta, I did pick Atlanta, but my concern is that they just aren't capable of exploiting the path, the Panthers biggest deficiency, which is stopping the run. Uh, like most teams can. I mean, we saw what Washington did against them last week. And the question is, will Atlanta even try? I mean, they, they throw the ball more than any other team in the NFL. I do think they will get Freeman going in this game. I actually love him in fantasy this week. But um, yeah, that was my biggest worry. But I, I do like Atlanta. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Yep. So that one. Uh, so our five guys, I mean, this was just an easy podcast for us here. Three agreements, Saints, two and a half, Ravens, five and a half, a pick on the Rams. Brett's uh, Brett's must make was the Browns. My must make was the Titans. And that completes our five team card for this week. And Brett, we haven't had one where we we have not had a week where we had three agreements here. So I uh, I'm actually looking forward to this card this week because us seeing the same way on three games, I think, can only work in our favor this week. You mean you're not going to tell you're going to no no text this week telling me what a donkey I am for my plays. I've gotten quite a few of those. No, 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 no. The, <laughs> we, we, we texted this past week because we weren't able to talk because of uh, the Thanksgiving holidays and whatnot. And you sent me your card. And all I said was, I feel like you're trolling me because I felt like you were putting <laughs> plays on there that you knew that I would uh, that you knew that I would hate. But uh, you were actually the Oracle last week. I was the donkey. I had uh, see this is just, you know, this is the difference in the in. If, if these were actual handicapping as opposed to these fixed odds, whatever, because I actually had a really great week last week because and I and I told you this as we were you know talking about the games over the course of the week was because I don't play everything straight. Right. I mean, I play I play a lot of teasers when the opportunities present themselves and whatever. And so if you played the straight lines on a lot of those games last week, then they wouldn't have gotten there. But the way that I play a lot of these, you know, kind of what I consider to be 
close games where I think that there's not much of an edge on either side. And if they're going to give me, allow me the opportunity to, to move something six points and, and they all got home last week. So it's, it's just weird how it goes. Like I had a horrible contest week and a really good real life week. And I, I pray that maybe one of these days we can get to the point where these contests are more kind of just like we saw with the DraftKings contest that you and I were, were over there, even though that only lasted a couple of days, but where it's an actual live kind of like a live yeah. bankroll contest, right? Where you're, you can do whatever you want. If you want to do donkey ass parlays, you can do donkey ass parlays. If you want to run teasers, if you want to, whatever, if you want to try to get a hold of the best lines because you're waiting a little bit later or you're betting really early, whatever it might be. Um, Maybe we'll get there as these apps continue to get more sophisticated. I think that that's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Definitely not. But I, I, I do love these contests more than anything. I, this is my, this is my favorite form of like sports betting is the peer to peer stuff. And just trying to, uh, just trying to figure out what other people are going to do as well. Cause you are playing against other people. You're not playing against the books. So that's, you know, I just love attacking it from that angle. So these are a lot of fun. Yep. I think uh, as we get out of here, I mean, we typically talk about many more games. So uh, just just one other thought for me, uh, depending on depending on where this uh, depending on where this where is it? Uh, yeah, depending on where this Bucks and Colts game ends up here, Brett, is I'm, I'm going to pay attention a lot. I think if this if if Colts money comes in and this gets short on the Bucks, I think people have bet the Bucks so many times this year that t- so many times this year that they have just kind of like grown and completely sour of this Bucks team. But a- a- as you and I know, I mean this this Colts offense I think functions best whenever they are able to be really really fully balanced. And yeah, they do get Marlon Mack back this week, but T.Y. Hilton out yet again here. They had to move Chester Rogers to the IR. And so now you're looking at Zach Pascal, who's going to be out there, maybe a Paris Campbell, who his hand injury was so bad that he missed five weeks of the season. So, I mean, how how effective is he going to be? I mean, and you can't run the ball against this uh, against this Bucks front. So I don't know if this thing gets under a field goal or whatever, if this thing were to move, maybe the Bucks could end up making just my personal card here. I love the Bucks this week. They fell right outside my top five. And the Colts now have some injuries in this secondary facing one of the more explosive passing offenses in the NFL with Evans and Godwin. I don't know what they do with those two guys this week. So I'm with you. If you can get it two and a half. Uh, yeah, I would fire. Uh, I like it at three as well. Yeah, it's uh, I think this is just a pretty poor matchup, I think, for this Colts team in in general. Well, guys, good luck this week. As always, picks over at playpicks.com, full breakdowns over at the lines.com. These standalone games will also have videos for as well. So be sure and take a look at those. We do a deep dive into these games that we know you're going to be betting, regardless of whether you have a strong feeling about them one way or the other. We know how Sunday night football, Monday night football works. So we try to give you at least our best thoughts on those as well. For Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.